0: Welcome, listeners, to Dark Tides, episode 11 of season 3, if my notes that I wrote before when I heard Chester saying what the episode was are correct. Uh, Welcome back. We have been on an uh, unforeseen, unannounced,
1: uncommunicated hiatus for, I don't know, a month. There were many instances where I was like, maybe I should tell people that will be nah, it's fine. Nah, it's fine. <laughs> They'll figure it out when the, another episode doesn't drop. It got to the point where I was getting DMs on Instagram about it. <laughs> really? From <laughs> The who? patrons. Uh I can't remember now. People who are on the Discord? A people were like, hey no, no, Discord people. Bro. Oh, crazy. They're
0: like, hey, where's the show gone? It's, like, ah,
1: uh, PJ, why is it taking you so long to edit this episode? All like, I said was I don't know, words. but it's not my fault this time.
0: <laughs> it's not my fault. Uh I'm your host, show creator and narrator or we Liddon. BJ See is here. Are. Hello, Famously I'm here. a late editor. Famously late. <laughs> Chester, who no one talks to on Instagram, apparently. Yeah. I don't have Instagram. That Me neither. That's why it's BJ. Nah. Oh, okay. I think they know that that's the only social media I ever look at. <laughs> yeah. I have Instagram, but I don't have any friends on Instagram. I'm your friend on Instagram. Oh, I don't count. I'm a colleague. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please, BJ. Keep it professional. <laughs> um... You want to talk shop? Aubrey has created this Head podcast to again, as an elaborate ruse to downgrade his relationship with me from friend to colleague. Mm. <laughs> so if we were involved in the same project, then he's not my friend. Exactly. But this is how I like together. to keep all of my
1: relationships. Yeah. This is how me and BJ have lasted together for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> Workplace professionals. We were only friends for two years. <laughs> 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 and Colleagues since then we became business partners. <laughs> it's worked so well ever since. We're still going
0: strong. Um. Alright, do we have any fun facts?
1: Fun it's been fact. long enough. Oh, should have no. thought fun, of that. So. Fun facts, fun facts, fun facts. Um, I've got a fun fact. Yes. For the listeners who are listening, uh, you should absolutely check out uh the Dark Tides Patreon because we have a uh brand new mini series that's coming out every week. That they're. Isn't a Dark Tides episode, and because there's been so many weeks without <laughs> Dark Tides, there's now we're like up to episode five or whatever That's on amazing. there. Like there's half a seat. Like season what's of it show called? What's it about? It's called Everon. It is a sequel series to the ever pleasant Mister Bates, starring the cast from that show, uh, featuring and Heath. And Heath. It's basically more about Heath. it's basically built around exploring the characters that we saw in season two, like Emily Warwick, and especially especially the other Bell sisters, and kind of getting a better grip of. Uh, tier and the agency and that kind of monster hunting world. So with yeah. with returning characters from Mr. Bates. Yeah, so it's got a returning character from Mr. Bates, brand new characters, and it's kind of a, a filling in of the gap of how. Um, of how Tyr kind of got to the point that it is in season two. Mm. So. Yeah.
0: and if it's if you need any more convincing, I am barely in it. So if that's your yeah. qualm with most of the Dark Tides and content, I only play two characters. Your problem's yeah. fixed. So you don't even have and to listen to me. I that occasionally much. do a
1: voiceover. And you know, with you know how Spotify's always given you ads and all that type of stuff for a dollar a month. So not even anything similar to how much Spotify costs you. A dollar a month, you get two episodes of that a month, as well as. Our little breaking tide stuff. So it's really good legal. when the main show disappears. Yeah, really?
0: Just so you know, by the way, the Dark Tides company isn't doing so. Good. Guys, the Dark Tides company, um
1: we're getting old, guys. We're, we're selling this stuff away for way too cheap. Listen, guys, people come into our house and they're like, Hey, can I take that microphone? And I'm like, this man, five dollars, it's yours. <laughs> Doesn't matter if we spent three hundred dollars on it. It's yours. Yep. Some could say bad business practices. I say entrepreneurship. <laughs> it will come back.
0: Surely, surely it will, it will reciprocity itself around one day and they'll be kind to us when we're sitting on a curb recording a podcast. You're really just talking to two ice cream cones. At that point. <laughs> <laughs> two ice cream cones plugged into an iPhone. Yeah. Homeless.
1: It's, it's not even a proper plugged iPhone. An it's, an iPhone. it's a cardboard box
0: to our names. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, that's just as, just as fun fact was a plug. What about you, BJ? Um, I think my fun fact is that Alistair has written a letter to his sister mm. um, Alistair and... has a sister yeah I know I only just remembered that the other day too um, oh. he's, he's like he's written he's written a letter to her and he's I'm gonna say he's put it stereotypically in a bottle but he <laughs> hasn't thrown it into the sea because he's not that stupid um, basically Send just them like them a this you know soul. if I never get back and I never get to see her again at least I'll have left this and if she ever comes looking for me she can read it and you know See, see, see my... I don't know, Chester. something. <laughs> and so hes he's got that inside the house at the moment. He wants to take it with him and give it to her if he can, mm-hmm. or better still, see her. But if that never happens, he's basically just written out that, you know... Don't give away too much, BJ. Well, I'm just thinking, you know, that we could put that letter in the vault along with Puck's letter that people want to yes. see, and then uh, we'll just tease them with it to the point where we actually has to figure out what's in that letter. And... Sure.
1: Uh, it hasn't yeah, happened he's going to say
0: he's disappointed in her. Uh...
1: I've never been more disappointed. Uh, i got can a recipe for Mandarin
0: chicken. Back to the archipelago with me.
1: Dad was right all along.
0: <laughs> Do you know where you put that fifty bucks I lent you twelve years ago? Plus interest. All right. Well, we've had an actual fun fact. We've had a plug. I'll give a recommendation. Woo! <gasps> which is just that. um... For whatever reason, I decided I was going to re watch Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Mm. And I watched the first four or five episodes yesterday. Controversial. And what struck me um, was how deeply dark that show is. It's just straight away. Huh. It's really quite interesting because you basically, I think it's like episode one is relatively light, except for the fact that it's very violent. You're like, okay, okay, this is kind of a lot of action, but other than that, it's pretty good. And you kind of it's like the first episode is like a terrorist plot to take down the government, um, and it's by a former like military agent of that government. He doesn't do a very good job of it though. He just makes nice no. walls. Um, but then he tries. he tries. And then I'm pretty sure episode two. I think it's isn't, episode. Isn't it the flashback? Episode two is just the flashback to the absolute horror story that is the origin for the two main characters, and it's really, really awful and depressing. And then episode three is okay, but it's about like uh, a religious leader mm-hmm. uh, manipulating an entire town of people. And then episode four is the famous the dog episode. Yeah, it's the chimera episode. And I made myself rewatch it because I was like, if I'm going to watch the whole, if I'm going to rewatch the show, I should rewatch do the, the whole, whole thing show properly. Yeah. And goddamn, is it just as harrowing as the first time?
1: Uh, so, it really so holds up in that respect. Is your recommendation
0: to watch for Man or is your recommendation to not watch it? Um. I I don't know. know. I I don't know. It is what it is. It is what it is. We'll do a recap, mostly Hmm. for Aubrey's memory. I listened to some of the last episode that we recorded today. Previously, in season three of Dark Tides, Ernest, Alistair, Nancy, and Puck had left the safety of Ravenholm and journeyed into the fog on a mission to find Marv. Now, if my memory serves me, because I didn't listen to this part of the episode you were finding marv because marv has the potential or the technology or potentially knew the technology to implement sky's invention which would a uh, sound wall uh, yeah. protection fence thing yeah yeah a, a a piece of technology that that alistair's child had developed uh, with by the help of her kidnapped yeah, fairy yeah with slaves. the help it, definitely not that sort of a situation <laughs> it's uh, a picture Through studying a pixie. A different pixie slave. Um, Yes. So you went after Marv. You split up to go to the two different locations that seemed probable. And we both Both, succeeded. You both found a Marv. Uh, Very concerning. Alistair found a wild, aggressive, and um, seemingly hell-bent on self-destructive behavior Marv, uh, who had been repairing his ship and was planning to go out into the ocean. Uh, for reasons that he was not very good at communicating, just that he had to. Uh, Ernest found a sort of... I think we said it was like early 30s, -30s, Mm. mid-30s. Yes. Comfy sweater-wearing homebody Marv who didn't see that there was any point in doing much of anything. Mac and cheese cooking, checkers playing.
1: Yeah. Checkers. Yeah,
0: and um, (laughs) listening back, there was a lot of... Which, you know, obviously wasn't there when we were recording it. BJ put in a lot of, like jazz lo-fi smooth, smooth lo-fi uh, yeah so i think that that kind of gets it uh it's the first episode i've edited in like a year and a half i realized when i was doing it, I was like man i haven't done this in ages now the the, the music tone is noticeably different when bj edits <laughs> yep much jazzier Um, Well, we did kind of make that joke in the (laughs) episodes. I I, I have to run with it now. Like, I have to actually put that in
1: there. Because whenever I search up jazz on our uh, music provider, I just see all of them have been downloaded. So I'm like, oh, BJ's already used these in episodes. I can't use them again. I I downloaded Uh, almost every single jazz track on Artlist for my stream
0: background music. That's (laughs) that's why. That's why. I'm like,
1: I can't use the same song twice.
0: Anytime I watch any YouTube video, that has jazz music. I just immediately know the song because I've listened to it during my because <laughs> everybody uses Artlist. Ernest discovered that Marv was being, this version of Marv was living in some kind of reality brain bubble worms. because of an, a brain worm, more or less. Like, I don't even know if I registered when we actually recorded it. Allah, inside Ernest's head made the comment that the eyewear used in uh, Feed the Machine was based on this same little creature, Yes, Uh, the ability to alter reality to the person who is plugged into it. Both Marvs reacted to a, uh, a clap of thunder and lightning as a storm rolled in for the first time in the decade the archipelago has been lost in the mist. And both Marvs instinctually and with no regard for safety both began heading to the water. Uh, older Marv in the boat, the Sheila, along with Alistair and Nancy, and just diving into the waves, the younger Marv with Ernest and Puck not far behind. And that is where we will pick up our story. Mr. Puck. Sheila hits a rock and sinks and we all drown. The end. See you in season four. (laughs) your might to the prow of the sheila as it crests away and dips into a trough and water crashes over you. There is periodical flashes of lightning ahead of you uh, that seem to be growing by the second. Behind you, Nancy is uh, sticking her head out of the door to the cab and inside uh, you can see Marv grimly piloting the boat forwards. Initially you were heading for the flashing light of the lighthouse Mm -hmm. that you had seen through the fog but that light has now disappeared. The fog if anything has got thicker you can only see the wave that comes at you and the flashes of lightning in the distance but you even looking down as you are you can barely see the water beneath the boat so thick is the fog. What is Alster thinking? He's just thinking. I hope we know what we're doing. I really, really hope we've made the right decision. And then, kind of just falling back into that horrible place that he's had to get used to sitting in, which is, I don't know, and I'm just gonna have to find out and do my best when I get there. Um, and I, is he outside? I'm imagining he's like maybe outside, yeah, kind of watching for obstacles and things because. Yeah, you were sent to spot uh, because you really can't see. And I'm imagining, you know, there shouldn't be rocks and things in this area, but because so much has changed, we just can't rely on anything. Yeah, it's very hard to get your bearings or landmarks. Make a intelligence roll for me to spot potential dangers. There's a five plus two. That's a seven. Mixed success. All right, you... A fish hits him in the (laughs) face. You don't see any landmarks nothing to guide you the fog is so thick but as you are looking down you can see all around you in the water there are ripples and curls of water that are not obeying the waves themselves and your gut instinct after literally now decades of time spent fighting the supernatural you just have a gut feeling that you are not alone in this water that either something with many some things <laughs> there is something or some things that are right with you here in the water following uh,
1: in your wake alright Alistair turns back to Marv Marv the water being sus I think there's a monster among us <laughs> he looks back among us <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm, dead memes
0: um, Alistair. <laughs> it's all I operate in I'm I to days. say there's a spotlight, like a big halogen spotlight, on the nose of the boat that he's been using to kind of scan back and forth, looking sure. for rocks and things. So I am going to switch that off and then move around and turn off the navigation lights on the boat. Um, just the thought that like light is like the number one thing that's going to attract any attention. Mm-hmm. So he's going to turn those off and uh, head inside. Poke his head inside and just tell Marv to slow down. To try and reduce the noise of the propellers in the water and just say like, Marv, I think we are being followed by something, so let's just try and keep a low profile, even if it takes us longer to get there. Mm, sorry, boy, can't do. Marv, there's, I know you want to get there quickly, but that, like, there's no good getting there as fast as possible if we get swallowed on the way there. Nope, time is not the issue. The issue is momentum. These waves, if we are not going this speed or faster if possible, we are not going to make it through. Okay. And I would rather be followed by whatever is in that water than sunk with it. All right. I'm going to leave the lights off, though, and I'll just keep it's fine, They're not doing much good anyway. <laughs> as you say that, he, like, spins the rudder and the ship kind of careens to the side as a chunk of stone just looms out of the fog, and you scrape all up the side as you avoid it. All right, Alice is going to run back to Add the Bow paint. and remember that, one, his job is to watch. And also, he's the only person on this boat that can see the future. Uh, yes. is <laughs> literally um, his job. Make a perception check for so me. So I'm going to go back to there. Uh, that one's a, just a straight three. Perception. All right, straight three. You are just focused on what you are doing, which is getting to the front of the boat, and you just vaguely over your, your shoulder here, Nancy, violently throwing up over the side. All right, he's going to ignore that. As you uh, peer through the fog, you're trying to ignore what seems like the increasing number of ripples and little currents in the water below you. Uh, You are heading just into a denser fog bank as you roll up this incoming wave as you crest it at the peak before you drop into the trough. You catch the sight of something moving elsewhere in the fog. It looks like it is moving above the water. Can I make another perception check? Sure. Mm, Is it worth substituting? Probably not. Uh, That's a four. With a four, you think you see either the flap of a wing or potentially the flap of a piece of fabric. Damn batskin! Alright, he's gonna just put his hand on his knife and pull it out just instinctively as a Precautionary measure mm-hmm. and just keep his eyes peeled, I guess. Okay. And we will leave Alistair there for the moment. Ernest, I believe you are standing on the beach. Uh, no, I think we said he jumped, he just jumped into the water and was swimming out.
1: Yeah. Now, where's Puck and where's the laptop? Puck had the laptop. She's still on the sand. Okay. Uh, Ernest is uh, like perfect, just like um, frog swimming. Me. Breaststroke.
0: Breaststroke. Not way the way out. he does it.
1: It's, Me. it's frog swimming Me. the way Ernest does it. Me. <laughs> His way after. Can I, can I
0: make the pitch that because Ernest is such a grim, grizzled, haunted version of the Ernest we met in season one, that as Ernest is doing this breaststroke and he's thinking of it as frog swimming, he's thinking back to like a year one uh, swimming class that he taught during summer break, uh, like the year he left high school. The summer that he was a lifeguard at the local pool. Yeah. (laughs) And he's just, ah, frog stroke. Uh, Very good. The most reliable of all swimming. And then you get half a lung full of water. (laughs) Unfortunately, I am not the most reliable swimmer.
1: This is what happens when I monologue. uh, I messed (laughs) up. All
0: right. Um, as you look forward... He's hooked. He can't stop earnest, monologuing. Uh, you can see that Marv is actually clambering out of the water and into a wildly rolling little rowboat uh, that seems to have broken free from some mooring somewhere, even perhaps one near his own house. And he is kind of clambering and rolling himself in. Marv. Marvin. Yes. Can you not leave without me, please? I... have Coming or going, boy?
1: I'm coming. <laughs> All right.
0: right. He he swings uh, his arm down to grab you, and with a surprising amount of strength, he basically bodily hurls Good you up strength. and in. Uh, and you can Over see <laughs> the raft, and well, he lands on the other side. <laughs> not that much, but you can see that we'll we'll say that Marv also uh, like being a former navy man. Uh, Marv stripped to the waist before diving into the water. You in your bedraggled full, uh, and you can see that that Marv has some fairly uh, stereotypical Popeye-esque, uh, like, sailor tattoos. Um, but you can see that he is, he's still in, in very good shape despite being in his, his early to mid-30s now. Ernest, as you are kind of uh, rolling yourself in and getting yourself upright and you're spitting salt water out of the side uh, of your mouth, you hear a shout from the shore, which is 30 metres away. You didn't get out very far, but it gets very deep very quickly here. The archipelago has a very fast drop-off into the water. You hear a shout, and make a perception check for me. Seven of my additions. Uh, You hear that shout of heads. Just frowns. And gets bonked on the head. Wait a minute. And sailing, you can can barely see the shore from where you are. You can more see the darkness in the fog. Uh, You hear the clinking sound of chain. And then out of the fog comes a chain with like a grappling hook end on it that slams into the front of the boat and like latches in and then you just hear clink 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 as the chain is like retracting rattling you are not being pulled but being forced through the water at great speed comes puck Uh, and you can see that she's used her tattoo powers to create this thing and she's now like reeling it in using her power and drags herself yeah, This nice. is fresh yeah, her water. like wait. And as she reaches it, there's kind of a small crash as she doesn't quite disengage it in time, hits into the side of the boat, and the grappling hook uh, becomes her tattooed hand again. Yeah. Uh, as she hauls herself in, looking like a bedraggled, furious cat. Like that is that is the sense you're getting from is like a cat that's fallen in a bath. <laughs> I said wait. You said heads. I I said wait before I said heads. I it's, heard fine. heads. it's fine. It's fine. Marv is already like uh, uh, getting the oars in place and beginning to row.
1: Should we just let him do that, or should we help? I don't know where we're going. I'll help. And this gets on the other side with Marv. It's like, Marv, how about a sea shanty to keep us in line? And oh. you are a young lady, though my song is quite lame. For we received orders to sail to you And then we're, uh... come on, Marv, come on, work for me. Marv is
0: just—that's like, offensive. Marv is just looking blankly at you. Puck is just looking blankly at you. I'll keep going. <laughs> Roll a strength check for me. Uh, that be six. You basically match Mars' strength, and you're making pretty good time. As are, as you get further out, the waves increase, and you are beginning to roll up and then down and up and then down. The, the, the orientation of rowboats confuses me a lot. I'm pretty sure you can't be looking in the direction you're going. Isn't yeah, that how that sit, works? you sit with your back to the bow so that when you pull the oars towards you, they push you forward in the water. Yeah. Because otherwise, if you sat forward, you'd have to push them, which is much more difficult to do. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well... So she would be facing the Puck front. is in the bow, facing the yep. front. And essentially the performing Alistair's role on the opposite bow. Um, Alright, is there anything you would like to do with One, two,
1: three, four. <laughs> okay, Come on, give me something. here. Yeah. I don't know any... Oh, ye salty sea dogs, out where the salty sea frogs be... <laughs> See. There's a flash of lightning. Ah. Be swimming like a be, right next to the boat. Be swimming with the clams. Bring in the, the, the jams. The jams. <laughs>
0: All right. All right. Alistair. This has continued on for maybe 10 or 15 minutes, um, and you know at the speed that you're going despite the waves, you are probably well and truly out towards the edge of the archipelago now. Um, You've definitely passed where the lighthouse would normally be, and you've not seen the flashing again. Uh, Marv seems to still be focused and heading in a specific direction, Direction that only he knows okay and as you look at him his one good eye is just fixed out the, the front of the boat of the boat um, as the storm crackles in the distance and then you feel a sudden lull and the waves stop ah. and suddenly you cannot hear thunder you cannot hear lightning and all you can hear is is the puttering of the Sheila's engine and you coast forwards. Marv cuts the engine and in silence you begin to drift forwards as you look down. As you enter this this section of calm, all that rippling in the water vanishes away. Okay. And you are in a dead zone. Alistair's hoping that's because it's just that the water has got shallower and therefore the thing that was following them can't swim underneath, but he's not too sure about that. The fact that the storm itself it's seems a bit to bit be gone, concerning. Um, and as you look around, Nancy uh, is kind of trying to spit delicately and uh, rinse her mouth out, and she is uh, pulling off the raincoat that she had been wearing, or the, I guess it would have been one of the cloaks uh, that she had been uh, wearing, and she is sort of readying herself for whatever comes next. Marv I... is doing the same. As you see, he seems to be rummaging around under decks again. Can I do a paranormal knowledge roll? Sure. Um, just on the area around us, and I'm also kind of looking for those shapes in the sky as well. Mm-hmm. It's a 6 plus 2 intelligence plus another 2 for paranormal knowledge, so 10. So what are you looking for exactly? Uh, I'm trying to figure out where we are, mostly, and, and like, because uh, Alistair knows the archipelago fairly well, even though there's a lot of mist. So he's trying to figure out, like, what direction we w- we went and then also why has the storm stopped and why are there suddenly no waves anymore. To explain this, because of your role, I will give you three pieces of information. Okay. Number one, you can't explain why, but you do not think you're in the archipelago anymore. Right?
1: Huh? The, the, fog, the fog
0: is still there, but you have some strange sense that's telling you we haven't moved in space, but this is not the archipelago. Immediately as he realizes that, Alistair thinks back to the search party that he sent out that returned as two skeletons in a boat, and he's like Oh great. <laughs> I think have we just have we just doomed ourselves to the time vortex or something. Piece of information number two you move into basically like a clearing within the fog. It's maybe a couple hundred metres across. It's quite a large clear area. In fact, this is maybe, other than Ravenholm, this is maybe the clearest piece of ground you have seen in a decade. And it is calm water, gently, gently lapping, but almost no sound. And on the very far edge of it, you see a tiny dinghy. A little skiff, and from this distance you can make out very little, but you can make out one single solitary figure uh, wrapped in some kind of cloth, hunched in the boat. Okay, as you are looking, you begin to see something materialise out of the fog, as if it is drifting towards you. You see the prow. Of a large Navy cruiser that is listing to the side as if it's taking on water, and it is sort of heading uh, parallel to you as if it's going to pass you, and it is silent and empty and lifeless
1: as it drifts ship? through the water. Is this the ship that crashed in the shore that we explored in season one? No, that was a container that ship. Was the, that was the, the Blue Gull. The Blue Gull. The small uh, container ship.
0: As a freebie. From as it gets closer, you watch, and you are st- you are like standing right at the prow of the boat, leaning out as far as you can to see. Uh, you see the side of this hull is rusted, and um, it looks like it's taken shell damage, like it's seen combat. But you can make out through the gouges and the pockmarks and the rust, uh, you can make out the words HMAS. Hangman. Nice. Now make a um, an intelligence check for me. All right, I'm just going to write that down. Six. You know that name. It, it triggers something in your brain from childhood. You can't remember if it was school, if it was family history, if it was local legend... Um, as far as you know, it could even have been from a video game. You're not sure, but you know that like, you what, have what heard... was the name in Half-Life? <laughs> no, no, that wasn't a hangman. Okay, never mind. You have heard something about an HMAS hangman before. All right. Uh, and that's all I can give you. Behind you, you hear a clatter, and up onto the deck comes Marv. Uh, and he is striding forwards in one hand. He has readied a harpoon. Not a harpoon gun, an old-style whaling harpoon, and a coil of rope. Is this what we were looking for, Marv? That's it, all right. We're here. Prepare to board. The big one or the little one? What little one? He points to the, the dinghy with the... And it is he gone. He points to the space where the dinghy used to be. Yeah, you can see nothing. Uh, Never mind. How did you know this was here, Marv? It's always been here.
1: Get your Since... things.
0: Oh, oh, and he, okay. he moves to the bow um, and starts tying the rope to the railing. Can I find a bucket or a tin or something? Uh, basically, I just want to lift up some water and I want to check the water. Okay. Um, just to see, is it still salty? Is it is it water? Yeah, you can do that. You drop the bucket down and make a paranormal roll for me. 11 with my bonuses. With an 11, as you drop it down, you feel you feel it, it It fill, and just as you're about, you kind of coil your hand in the rope to pull it back up. You feel it knock against something in okay. the water. Yep. As you look down, the fog is still coiling around in tendrils around the boat, but for the first time since you've been on the sea, you can actually see down into the water that is almost clear okay and in the depths you can see a myriad of movement almost like a kelp forest some kind of flowing movement that is everywhere below this boat okay good and as you look down you see what you you could swear is the silhouette of a person drifting face down through the water how deep I'd say about three meters. Can I try and drop the bucket down further, like let out more rope, to try and drop the bucket down to the level that this? Yeah. Are you attempting to is? bonk? I think I'm going for a bit of a bit of a thunk.
1: A bit of a thunk. Test Make alive? a dexterity thunk.
0: check. Okay.
1: Uh,
0: ten. With a ten, you successfully drop it down you kind of let it take on as much weight as it wants and it slowly moves down and you feel it again knock against something. Uh, And with a 10, you're aware enough and you're braced enough that when there is a violent ripping at the rope, you let it go. Yep. Uh, And the rope is gone and it it splashes into the water and is pulled under.
1: Okay. Yep. That's what I thought would happen. (sighs)
0: Okay, Nancy, um, as she's been watching you do this, she takes a deep breath in and then readies the hatchet. I'd say that's a um, don't touch the water, kind of. Yeah, a bit of a don't touch the water situation. Can I just ask one more question? Mm -hmm. Where is the light coming from? Because if I can see into the water, there's clearly light from somewhere. Is it coming from above or is it coming from underneath? It is coming from above, but it is the same sort of sourceless, uh, diffused grey light—moonlight through mist type. Yeah, you and you're not sure if it's day or night. To be honest, yeah. Um, but it is—it is at the moment pale. Looking it's... around you, you almost can't see colour. Everything is in shades of of grey, black, of sort of washed out green and blue as well. Yeah. Okay. Because it was like late afternoon. Mm. So the sun was still up when we were sailing out, right? Yeah, yeah. Alright, Marv is readying um, this rope he attaches it to the end of the um, harpoon mm-hmm. and as the HMAS hangman drifts past, that, drifts Let me do that You can see he is very resistant I'm stronger Getting old. Fine. Through one of the portholes if you can. I'll do my best. With practiced ease, you feel the weight of the harpoon. The rope is knotted very, very securely around the centre of the shaft. And you uh, bring your arm back. You throw and you follow through with your arm and your shoulder. And you send the harpoon crashing. And you hear the tinkling of glass as it crashes through a porthole. Up on the the, um, the deck of the ship, basically, goes right through into the room. And as Marv hauls on the rope, uh, the uh, it's pulled like taut and locks itself in place where the um, the shaft it. of it yeah is stuck in the window frame. As the hangman continues to drift and the Sheila, without its engines running, begins to list and then be pulled alongside. Um, and it kind of clunks into the side of the hangman and begins to follow uh, like a pilot fish next to a shark. Marv, are we going through the window or are we going up on top? Up the rope. Right. Ernest, what are you doing as you uh, are in these
1: rolling waves... Come o ye young fellows that follow the sea. To me, way hey, blow the man round. <laughs> <laughs> Now, please pay attention and listen to me. Give me some time to blow the van down. Can I make the pitch? Chester's reading this off his phone, but can I make the pitch that he's reading it off a piece of parchment that he found in a bottle that floated by? He's like,
0: ah, sea Fantas-
1: Absolutely fantastic timing on that one. <laughs> Incredible. Fantastic. The last bit of it is a bit smudged, but it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> He's just singing, being splashed by I can't by bigger believe disorder. my luck!
0: The the storm is still raging all around you, and as you reach, like, the, the height of the chorus, and you're feeling like, yeah, you know what? The wind whips away the piece of paper. <laughs> no! Like, no, no, it whips away the piece of paper, and you're like, you know what? Don't need it. I've got this now. I've, I've, I've remembered every single sea shanty that I've ever heard, and I think it's about 19 of them that I've been seeing for the last 25 minutes. Uh, <laughs> And I'm pretty sure I could just write one now. Um, and as you like, you begin. <laughs> to we'll over and everyone's in like,
1: like face in hands. Yeah,
0: P- Puck is definitely face in hands. Uh, Marv is just zoned out. He he's not mentally present anymore. You you crest a wave and you crash down into the gulf below, and the waves are gone. And you are suddenly out into uh, a calm circle of water. And make a perception check for you. Uh there'll be eleven. With an eleven, Ernest. Ernest frowns. Uh the storm is gone, the water is smooth and clear with just small ripples and little eddies of waves. With an eleven, you're sitting there and you're you're wondering, you're like at first you're like, ah, that's nice. I was getting kinda over this up and down motion and the waves. And then there is a violent prickle up and down your spine and you feel bile rise in your throat and as you swivel your head on instinct it's almost like something is guiding you you snap your neck looking to the side and maybe 30 meters away from you emerging out of the fog into this cleared area is a small skiff just a little rowboat and you can clearly see a single, solitary, hunched figure in the bottom of this boat with some kind of cloak or blanket wrapped around them. And you have a sense of extreme nausea looking at this creature, whatever it is. Mm. As you look at it, you kind of lean forwards. You lean out over the boat a little bit, trying this weird magnetic attraction to this thing and this repulsion at it at the same time as you look the hooded head turns to look at you and you just see two points of light cold white unmoving unfeeling in an expressionless face the face is almost totally in darkness you can make out nothing but these two points of light in dark eyes. And you feel your mind to begin to swim and dip almost into unconsciousness.
1: Urs oh, is going to slip and fall into the water. Okay. Make a, I don't
0: even know what check is relevant here. Um, what are your skills again? It's uh, been a while. Skills do you want? now uh, What, he a, he what a plot armor. <laughs> um, so combat, exist. physical, intelligence, and arcane. So physical, maybe. Ooh. Well, you, yeah, yeah. Give me
1: a physical roll. Physical yeah. would be to like swim, I guess, and then. Yeah. Uh, one plus one, so two. Ooh, Ernest.
0: With a one. It was a two. With yes. a one, even with its modifier, uh, your coat. Just takes on more water, and you begin to sink. Yeah, you're still kind of coming in and out of this. You're hastiness. coming in and out of this thing, and you feel this nausea. Um, and the closest thing that you remember feeling to this was looking into the eyes of the Alpha Wendigo uh, at Slate Ridge. Cord, I think was. Yeah. yeah I think looking so. into the eyes of Cord gave you a fragment. A fraction of this feeling that is now beginning to consume you, and you can feel yourself drifting deeper and deeper. <laughs> Around you, the little rays of light that penetrate this water, you begin to see other bodies floating below the surface with you. And as you look, make intelligence check for me. 14. With a 14 you drift right past one of them, close enough to touch. And you can see the face of a young man. He can't be older than 19 or 20, and he's wearing a navy uniform with the chest tattered and a hole through his sternum. Uh, You can see his glassy eyes staring back at you. But there is also, like, this thin membrane of something almost like hair all over him, that seems to attach him in a web to every other body, and you can feel that membrane beginning to wrap itself around you too.
1: But the fourteen does seeing this jolt Ernest out of the does, of stupor. And it tells you that you are in desperate, desperate danger. Okay. Ernest is going to swivel around a little bit looking at all these different bodies, and he's gonna pause. And he's gonna look down a little bit. There's like a slight slump of his shoulders and he pulls the jacket off that has his cap in it and lets it float away and begins trying to swim up because he knows that he's not going to be able to make it up with those both weighing him down. So he lets his bomber cap go right. and his jacket and lets it float away. Make a physical check for him. All right. Come on,
0: us. That's a nine. All right. With a nine. With a nine, that feeling of nausea is washed from your system by sheer panic and a need for air as you realize that your lungs are bursting. As you struggle towards the surface, you can feel it almost like a vice around your lungs crushing in. Your vision is beginning to blur and you are desperate. You're actually going to take six points of damage Um, damage as you are feeling almost like your your internal organs, your entire system of being is grinding and burning, taking damage as it's trying to keep you surviving while it's running on no oxygen. Mm-hmm. You begin you're, you're heading for the surface, but you must be two, three, four meters deep still. and as your vision begins to darken you're not sure if you're going to make it. And then there is a splash and a vibration and Puck is sailing down through the water directly for you with an arm outstretched. Um, and make a physical check. And she will make one too. Four. With an 11...
1: Oh, that was close. You begin
0: to fade. You were going to need at least a 7. Uh, if she didn't get higher than 7
1: herself. Yeah. Um... You know, Ernest uh, starts to fade. He's like reaching out a hand, but it's quite limp. And he's kind of starts, his eyes start to roll back, and he starts to lean back, and starts to go down once again. And then he hears a voice coming like over and over and over Ernest, wake up now. you recognize it as the voice of Allah. And you feel Puck's arm,
0: uh, her hand, grab at the front of your shirt and begin. As she uh, swivels her body in the water and begins to kick as powerfully as she can towards the surface. You realize, Ernest, that part of why you couldn't get to the surface is that this membrane has taken hold of you and it's been dragging you down. Uh, And as you sort of hazily look behind you, you can see that Half a dozen of these corpses in the water are being dragged up with you, and they seem to be waking and struggling in the water as they follow along after you.
1: Ernest is going to see this, and he's going to, as he's kind of jolted back a bit more awake by Puck uh, pulling him out, and he's going to reach down and not pull it from the cord, but plant his hand on the lantern, and he's going to send out a blast around them, trying to use the power of it, because if this membrane is supernatural, he might be able to tear it off at a point by sending out from that core point out enough to maybe break it.
0: Yeah, using the lantern there is um, a flicker even below the water. There is a flicker and then a flash and a circle a little bit like the shield that you
1: sometimes use. Yeah, I'm imagining a bit like the scene in the fourth Harry Potter with all the little... um, uh, squid creatures attacking at him and use the wand and they get like pushed back and they're kind of yeah. frozen. What happens is that it
0: severs the, the membrane that is holding to you and they begin to float back down into the water.
1: And um, Ernest sees his jacket and hat floating down with them. Yeah.
0: And you... <laughs> I've
1: had that hat this whole time.
0: And Ernest you are hauled up out of the water for the second time today and into the <laughs> skiff um, and you are you are vomiting up salt water that you had be- begun to take on as Puck grabbed you yeah. um, and you have a moment of rest as you continue to sail along in the complete calmness of this uh, eye of the storm perhaps and as you look around you see that there is no skiff anymore no figure no hooded shape looking at you it's gone but what you do see is that sort of diagonally across this clearing in the storm you can see the listing drifting shape of a navy cruiser and you can see the sheila anchored alongside and we'll return to Alistair all right so before we climb up um we have these little equipment slot things that we've been that we talked about earlier in the season. Um, and I haven't used any of mine yet. So I'm going to use one of my equipment slots. So I have three, and when I check them off, I can uh, like invent something that I had on me. So I don't know exactly what form it'll take, but uh, I'm going to say Alistair has like some kind of med kit or maybe like painkillers or something, just any kind of medical something, uh, because I am close to half health <laughs> already, and I have a feeling I might need some health. So I'm going to try and heal myself up a little bit. Uh, If the DM will allow it. I will allow it, but I'll say you've got two uses and it's a D8 each. Yeah, great. Okay. I'm going to use both uses because I think I'll need it.
1: Uh, Yep, that's not great, but I'll take it.
0: Okay, so he, I don't know if it's like tablets or something crushes him. Maybe there's like some kind of root plant or something crushes that into like a little sort of ball into it. Yeah, you so stick it in the, the corner of your yeah. cheek. Yeah. I'm so um, a tonic. Chews on it, yeah, basically. Yeah, and it's basically a natural um, painkiller. Yep. So I've healed up a little bit. It's very bitter. Yep.
1: Mmm, gummy vitamins. Mm, ginger. <laughs> um,
0: as you, Marv, is hauling himself up this rope um, and clambering over the railing onto the ship. Nancy is following You're the last one up. As you begin, like, you you take a hold of the rope and you begin to swing out your weight, you see uh, another skiff drifting Diagonally towards you, and you can see uh, Ernest and Puck and Marv, this other version of Marv. Okay. Um, drifting towards you. You can see that Puck is waving. Alistair is about to climb the rope, so he stops and waves back and he's like, You found us! Yeah. Yeah, and you found Marv. You found Marv! Everyone found Marv. Great.
1: Go team. Are you okay? Collectively, we did out. Yeah, we're... All right. We're all right now. <laughs> all right. But
0: don't touch the water. Don't touch the water. Uh, okay, I'll throw you a rope. You can tie alongside. Alistair finds a rope and chucks it to, to Puck in the bow of the rowboat and ties them alongside. We'll cut forward a few minutes. You are reunited. Uh, you have all climbed the rope now mm-hmm. onto the hangman.
1: Ernest empties some water out of his shoes. Um, he's wearing um, like bright blue, like sky blue, uh, really tight-fitting jeans, and almost like a, a denim blue shirt as well. He's rolled that up to his his elbow, um, to like the elbow joint, it's like brushing off some of the excess water.
0: What happened to the the jacket? <sighs> hmm, shouldn't have asked. I don't think he wants to talk about it. Uh, Ernest Puck, can I? <laughs> Can I just yeah? Uh, let's have grab let's a uh, have a huddle away from that. And she's looking at both Marv's are more or less entirely ignoring each other, but they're both looking around the ship. Okay. Uh, Nancy is like watching them, slightly wide eyed. Alistair kind of grabs Ernest and Park and just moves them over to the side of and he's like, "I'm I'm really sorry for before." What are you what? talking about? What. Earlier, when before we split up to find Miles, I just I just need to say I'm sorry. I shouldn't have. Oh, for you uh, yes. throwing a temper tantrum. Yes. Um. Yes. Yeah, you two are about the only thing I have to rely on here, and I uh, needed to not treat you that way. So, I'm sorry. Appreciated, but don't let Nancy hear you say that. That's why I sort of moved you away from her. Yeah, there's a lot of people that would yeah. that would you know be slightly hurt that you would not include them. It's appreciated, it. Alistair. It's fine. All right. High stress situations. Do any? Do either of you have any idea what we are supposed to do with the fact that there are two it's of different. them? There. What? How is not there two of them? A clue. I and don't... where are we now? Where are we now? I don't know. I didn't miss this part of my job.
1: That's just stroking his yeah, chin. Yeah, I know. I have a theory. Let's right. hear a theory. Now, you guys were coming from the opposite side of the ship. Did you see a little boat?
0: Yes. Yeah. I
1: didn't see a boat. That's I what did. I would think I saw a boat. Just before, what, I...
0: that's what you would think. You saw a boat, and I didn't see a boat. Put- and that's no, what expect. but put- I put- saw a, a boat,
1: okay. and Alistair saw a boat.
0: Yeah, like a small. Small rowboat
1: skiff. Yeah, and there was with a man. in it. Yes. I, I saw it off in the distance and then I looked around and it was gone. Here's what I think. I think there's a third party involved here. A whole other... Like when I looked at it, like I've seen powerful creatures and it has like a... I know the way, the thing that I am being a shape changer, I recognize power and it does something to me. Uh, that was on a whole other level of power. So what, there is something Okay, well that's that really That rules out my theory then. I was gonna say that, that that I thought that figure was Marv. I
0: was gonna say I was worried it was gonna be another Marv. No, yeah. I think I thought it was the Marv,
1: but I think I guess that's not. the Marv, the two Marvs, something was powerful enough to split them and is powerful enough to draw them back. But it only did it and he looks to Alistair. Once we both arrived. So I think this may be the beginnings of a trap.
0: Well, it's a pretty effective around, one.
1: Because now it um, looks around Now we don't know where we are. We've lost our faculties and we can only really go deeper. This place is not a trap for you and me. Or at least this
0: this place isn't. I don't know if you notice, but there's There's bodies in the water. We might have had an idea. You saw them?
1: Yes. They tried to kill us. I think they're just another part of the trap. That's why you're so wet. Okay. (sighs) All right. (sighs) Whatever. It doesn't matter if it's a trap or not. We're dealing with some type of third party that's extraordinarily powerful. No, I agree. I'm just saying... This
0: place has been here for 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 much longer than you and me because it's trapped this ship and it's killed its
1: crew. So, and if this is a this is a momentary break, this is a changed area within space and time. We're not we're not here anymore. We're not in the archipelago. Well, that's I I'm don't thinking... know what's going on, but I know enough to know that
0: we're outside somehow. Make another intelligence check for me, Alistair. Just normal intelligence. Six. What was the last time when you? I asked you to, to do this. Um, my paranormal check was like a ten or something, and then intelligent because I have an extra plus two for paranormal. I can't remember what the last roll I made. How would this not just be again. paranormal? <laughs> I guess well, that's what I'm trying. Base. I'm trying to yeah. think what this tells you. If I add my you, paranormal, it's the an eight. same. The same feeling. The same feeling that the name of the boat, even now, what you're oh. seeing of it. Mm-hmm. It's still striking some chord, but you just can't find the memory. You just you just don't know. It's
1: familiar to me somehow. My only
0: guess is that maybe it um, went missing or something. Something just occurred to me, says Puck. Uh, yeah. My hand's on hips. She's looking at the ground. <sighs> if this is a trap, is it unreasonable to assume that it's a trap for you two? I, I, I think if it is a trap, it's almost certainly a trap for us. Yes. Who sets traps for you two specifically? Who has a reason to trap you two specifically?
1: Well, this is where again to the rather concerning part of my theory is what's happening to the archipelago is almost that of divine intervention. It is also a level of divine power. It is of the shepherds. So, if something is affecting this, it is affecting the very power of the shepherds. It is something that matches that. Someone on Mother's side is the answer to your but question, I think. Yes. Potentially.
0: But Potentially. Mother can't get in, so... No, is... but that doesn't mean that one of her agents might not have already been
1: here. If this ship yeah. has been here for many years... Kind of frowns. And... I mean, look at it. It's it's yes, old, it's rusted. Was, if that was the case, then why wouldn't they have done something a bit earlier?
0: But maybe, maybe they, they were couldn't. waiting for you, Ernest,
1: I mean you Maybe think about it, it
0: wanted both of you. When you and I were here last time, that was that was before mother even had a body. And then since then it's just been me. So if she's waiting to trap both
1: of us, she had to wait for either me to come to you, in which case she could but come and been, get us herself. But I've been out in the real world, I've been out in realistically her domain, but There's not with me. Yeah, I've but, been separate. But she could have done, she if needed she's got us she together. together. She could do something to you and here, she could do something to me out there. No, but not together. We've been separate. But the thing is, together we're more powerful. I don't think she would want... I don't think this is Mother trying to get us together.
0: No, I don't know if it's about getting you together. I think it's about ensuring... I don't even think it's about killing you or taking you off the table. I think someone wants to use you. That's why they set a trap. Not to kill, but to catch. And what's the perfect bait? And she looks... And you can see Marv, uh, the, both versions of Marv, leaning over the rail. Someone we care about and something we don't understand. And someone who, for whatever reason, is particularly vulnerable right now. So maybe you're right, Ernest. We are more powerful together. But maybe that's the point. That's why they want us together. In which case, maybe we don't have anything to fear. Well, we do. Puck is like looking down at the water. There's plenty to fear, but... Mm, I don't know about that. If you're right, Puck, whoever sent us here, or brought us here, wants to use us. Because Ernest's right. If it's Mother's agent who wanted to kill us, she could have done that separately. She didn't have to have us together. So maybe this is just a really elaborate job application. Uh, guys... Nancy? Hey uh, guys! Yeah? They're moving um, and you can see that both Marvs have as if there's been a sound or something that's begun to attract them and as you can hear it Marv? M- Marvs? They're both moving towards the very prow of the ship and you can hear almost like a far, far distant echo the ringing of a ship's bell Two Marvs on a ghost ship Great Fantastic. And as you uh, you break away from this huddle, you both begin moving along the deck. You're heading to the front of the boat. Uh, you can see as you get that there is another figure. Both Mars are heading for this figure who is standing right at the prow of the boat looking out. Uh, I make a perception checkpoint, both of you. Ernest, is that who you saw before? Seven. Four. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Ernest is like, I've never seen this man before in my life. With a a seven, Alistair, you can see that the the figure standing at the prow of the boat is a young man, maybe even a teenager, maybe not even an adult, uh, stripped to the waist in what looks like uh, the trousers of one of these naval uniforms in bare feet, with longer shaggy hair. Actually, no, cut that. Uh, With short, buzz cut, shaved hair. And as you look, he turns to look down at you. Very clearly a Navy officer, or a Navy personnel. And that memory that has been avoiding you for the last 15, 20 minutes, suddenly crashes into your mind with extreme clarity. Mm -hmm. What you see before you right now, and the memory line up, and you realize that this is Marv. This is Marv on his first assignment in the Navy. That is what right. the HMAS Hangman was. That
1: was his ship.
0: And you remember being about six years old and seeing a photo of a very young, smiling Marv standing in front of uh, this ship on as he's uh, embarking for his first tour. Marv! The other two Mars. What? No, not you two. He pushes past them. Marv. He turns around to face you. And this is a Marv younger than you've ever seen him other than that one photo. But you can see in his face shock and horror and fear beyond imagining. When Alistair was kind of striding towards him quite quickly. And then when he sees this reaction on his face, he kind of stops and slows down. He's like, Marvin, your name is Marvin, right? you hear the ringing of that bell. It gets louder and louder, and then there is an almighty crash as the ship rocks. And for a moment, both of you, Ernest, Alistair, Puck, and the other Marv, you are transported to another time and another place as a battery of charges hits the side of the HMAS hangman and teenage Marv is rocked and dropped to the ground and you realise that this is the combat encounter that sunk the ship and what you recall Alistair was uh, a story told to you by your mother never acknowledged by Marv and you were told never to bring it up Marv was the only survivor of the HMS Hangman wow and you snap back to snap back to reality (laughs) Oh, there goes Marv. Um, And you see the three Marvs standing together, both of them almost like ghosts staring back at you. It's always been here. We never left. So... Did it never sink? The ship, the hangman, the, the battle. I remember, my mum told me. You were on this ship. He looks at the younger one. You! I never left. And the ship begins to rock and creak with squealing steel. And as you turn, both of you, you see dozens upon dozens upon dozens of cold, clammy bodies begin to crawl their way out of the water, up the sides of the ship, and onto the deck. Thank you for listening to Dark Tides. It's been quite a long time since I've done an outro. I kind of forget how we do them. Um, I have been your host, show creator, and narrator, Aubrey Lyddon. Alistair Stern is played by BJ Ingate. Ernest Marsh is played by Chester Lyddon. Thank you very much for listening. We will be back again, hopefully, uh, in a normal period of time. (laughs) Hopefully not in a month and a half. (laughs) Hopefully not in a month and a half um, with the next instalment. If you want to support the show, we would greatly appreciate uh, you checking out our Patreon. There are a bunch of different support tiers with lots of different support options. uh, With bonus content, there is currently Chester running Ever On, the sequel to the Ever Pleasant Mr. Bates series. There is a backlog for about two or three years worth of bonus stuff, including, if you are interested a two-part Jaws-inspired oh, yeah, adventure that. that also mm-hmm. featured Marv. Which was, um, I was only thinking, literally this morning, I was like, man, that
1: was good. Yeah. Like that, that, was, that was good.
0: It was good. And I'm pretty sure I... an improvised song that the three of us made up. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Pretty uh,
1: good. I don't remember. I wasn't there. I think it was me
0: in editing, actually. I think you, in editing, created I Did the most song. of it, yeah. I don't know if there was any words to it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, thank you for listening. It's a fun time. You can check out our... Uh, social medias. We have, I think, most of them or all of them. And we love to receive fan art, fan theories, questions. Um, not so, fan fiction. Not fan fiction. No, we anything are not else? pretty, Pretty uncomfortable with that, to be honest. Uh,
1: pretty unbased. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, and we'll see you in the next episode. Ta-ta. Farewell.
1: <laughs> all right. Chester, what do you think about that? <laughs>